Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to another edition of Cavs of Blog Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I'm joined by Ben Worth and Corey Huey. And we're here to talk a little Cavs coming off a uh, three-game win streak over the Pacers, Wizards, and Celtics after a rough week the week before with uh, losses to Toronto and uh, the Wizards as well. So uh, this week is a little better. Uh, what what we see this week, Corey, that uh, was an improvement over last week? Uh, you know, you, you, it was like they just the small ball introduction was great because we've kind of been waiting for it for a while. Um, they just they had some energy. Like last night's game, I was recapping after the first quarter. I thought they just didn't, you know, it was going to be another mail it in kind of game, and they, you know, they dial it up. Like they did. It's it's hard to anticipate this team to know what you're going to get on a nightly basis. I think that's a very good way of putting it. It's, and hopefully we're kind of seeing them get out of the doldrums. I thought uh, Austin Carr had a really nice um, comment about that. It's like it's almost like the Cavs need to be challenged a little before they they start playing well. And it's a little bit about what uh, David Griffin was saying during the when the David Blatt uh, firing press conference about. Uh, how they they don't do deal well with success, so but they do deal well with adversity, which is I, I think that's definitely their mo uh, at this point. Uh, ben, what what have you uh, seen this week uh, that you really like? I like it when LeBron tries. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the one game he didn't play against the Wizards, obviously. Uh, it, it would be wonderful to see the team play well without LeBron, just not totally have a dumpster fire. Uh, but beyond that, the three-game win streak has featured a lot of uh, smarter smarter basketball from LeBron. So usually when I talk about trying for LeBron, it's more just not having fun basketball game LeBron, but actually just like thinking how how can he be the most destructive force and when he goes to the hoop in any kind of way, either with the ball or without the ball, wonderful things happen. And uh, when he doesn't, when he would prefer enjoy the switch and hang out on the perimeter or 
just never make a move toward the hoop, it's not so good. And uh, I think that that really has to do with his effort level, whether it's when he's fresh or when, when he's tired, he either is going toward the hoop or he's not. And the, we've seen this even in LeBron 1.0, uh, but, you know, his freakish athleticism during that era kind of changed the whole equation. Um, so I just, I think the team is too reliant on his mood and his, basketball intelligence on a game-to-game basis. And so when he's play, when he plays intelligently, the rest of the guys seem to follow. I'd, I'd agree with that. And then the other uh, part that I would uh, also add was Kyrie Irving's really started to dial it back in. It looks like his outside shot is back. Um, in the last four games, he's... Uh, at 50% almost actually is at 50% in the last four games um, going uh, 11 for 22. So I'm sorry, 13 for uh, yeah, 11 for 22. Um, And then, and so he's scoring a lot more. He's also getting to the line a ton and shooting 96% there. Uh, His turnovers are a little bit up uh, five assists, 2.8 turnovers, but, like we kind of saw during the game against the Cavs, like he tried this kind of full court bounce pass to, um, I think it was Kevin Love, and it kind of went out of bounds. And as uh, AC, Austin Carr basically said, you'll live with those kind of turnovers if it comes from the team being aggressive, um, yeah. which, which is kind of the way the Warriors roll as well. And so he's definitely played well. And we talked a little bit before the podcast of LeBron is the role man in the pick and roll, uh, in the two man game with both Delhi and with, uh, LeBron has been really devastating for defenses, uh, to try and contend with that. And, uh, I don't know who it was. I think it might've been David. It was either you or David Ben that talked about, or one of our commenters talked about how LeBron actually takes less contact as the role man because he catches the ball in a little more space when he gets it. Uh, I don't oh, it wasn't me, but that's a good point, yeah. Especially when he rolls, when he actually rolls. Yeah. Like when he doesn't just come off that screen and go into a post-up, he 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 actually has a little more separation when he gets the ball and, and can doesn't absorb so much contact. And he's really been devastating as that. And when he actually sets actual screens, it's like the other... It's almost like in the week off, he went and watched film of Draymond Green, and it's like I could yeah. be a hundred times better version of Draymond Green, which he absolutely could be. You know, yeah, almost all of those dunks that that Mozzie got. I mean, what did he get? Six dunks or something like that against the Wizards. Yeah, he he. So many of those came off of pick and roll action that LeBron caught the ball in the middle, and the second that the defense had to converge on LeBron because they have to. I mean, right. Le, I mean, unlike Green, who he, who makes a decent amount of those floaters, LeBron's going to make every, you know, what, 80% of those little floater shots in the middle if you right. don't step well, up. And plus he can go either way. I mean, his left, I yeah. almost think he's better finishing with his left hand than he is with his right hand right now. He That that cannot be stated enough, just how much his left hand has come along in the last two years. It's, it's oh, really yeah. incredible. That little just scoop he has with the left hand is so hard for defenses to to deal with. Um, and, and what are the differences? I had a question for you, but what are the differences you see with Kyrie on the pick and roll 
as the ball handler with LeBron than you do with Delhi? Uh, in general, Delhi always is moving downhill, and so is his role man. Mm-hmm. And so almost every single time that Delhi runs a pick and roll, you'll, you'll have one of three results. Um, you'll, he will either decide to take the shot because the defense is giving him so much room that it sets up his little off bank floater. He'll shoot the, or he'll, he'll, uh, give the alley-oop or the, or the, the wombat. What, what do we call that again? The, the loaded wombat. The wombat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if the defense is, uh, crashes down on the roll man and give him enough, uh, resistance that he doesn't have a shot. He'll make that swing to the opposite corner, which by definition is is open if they're crashing down on the roll man. Yeah. And so a lot of times it's it's RJ with that second unit that's standing in the corner, and then he'll either make take the shot or he'll swing over to the the close wing. Um, occasionally, if Delhi gets a little bit more depth, then the the wing three, the opposite court wing three is open, and Delhi just does that like clockwork. He'll always make that downhill decision and the roll man knows where to go. And one of those three options will be open. Uh, you know, whether the shots made or whether the, all the outcome is, is somewhat regardless of the, the action. I mean, those three choices are there. Kyrie, however, has been better at that in the last couple of days, which is pleased me to no end. Um, but in general, he's still looking for, a pull up before it's necessary. Yeah, he has as, a tendency, we, as we noted uh, in the uh, live thread the other day, I think Kyrie might have read uh, David Wood's article from. Yeah, uh, David did a good job of um, yeah. Thursday talking about uh, how he could be better in the pick and roll, and you actually saw a lot of it, especially in the Wizards game. So just to throw that in there, yeah. and you know LeBron helps him a lot by by rolling to that spot. Um, there were a couple of really nice pocket bounce passes off of side pick and rolls with LeBron that Kyrie made. And it has, you know, he's got the, the capability to do that. There's no reason why with his handle, he shouldn't be able to make pocket passes in traffic to anybody. And, and you know, you'll see flashes of that. Um, and so if, at least if LeBron is going downhill because Kyrie sometimes doesn't one member of the pick and roll tandem is going downhill and, and you just, you have to have that. You can't run, pick and pop even unless your ball handler is going toward the hoop. Somebody has to go hard toward the hoop. And, and the more that Kyrie can get that in his brain, the more successful the offense will be. One of, one of the things I've noticed is the difference between Delhi and Kyrie is Delhi is much better at the wing pick and roll than he is at the high pick and roll at the top of the key. And part of that I think is Delhi is better at getting his shot uh, going towards the basket from the wing. Then he and yep, left kind of, wing especially yeah and and timing that uh, that role with Tristan uh, whereas Kyrie can play from the high pick and roll because he can finish on either side and he's he's such a good like you don't know which side of the basket he's going to drive to and, and pull up plus he can go under uh, when guys go under on him he'll just pull up uh, and and hit that top of the key jumper uh, you know. I got to say, though, Delhi does run a lot of top pick and rolls that work beautifully. It's just that he'll take an angle that makes right, him go toward exactly. the side. And he'll let his roll man go toward down the middle. So right. something that'll start as a as a, top, a high pick and roll 
will end up looking a little bit more like side pick and roll work because he just doesn't snake the roll man. So right. Well, the other you know, thing though is yeah. yeah, like you said, and I I feel like defenses the one thing defenses can kind of do a little bit for to defend him is make him go in a straight line towards the basket and not take an angle. Cause, cause if you'll notice, Delhi wants to take that angle because it, it kind of, yeah. whereas, whereas Kyrie can just go under, if somebody goes under, he can pull up uh, and then he can be the guy going forward. But yeah, I mean, Delhi's a really good player at that. Uh, Here's another thing to keep in mind is Delhi almost will never pull up for a jump shot in the pick and roll game. That's yeah. not a three. Right. Just well, well, and part of it is that's just or if he does, the only time I've seen him do it is that like floater that he gets all the way from the free throw line. Like that's the only time. Yeah, um, if, if it's on an action of alley possibility, yeah. but like a pull up like, hey, I'm just past the guy who was guarding me. I now have a split second to shoot. Mm-hmm. He's just not going to do that. And that's and actually the, does that all the time. Yeah, Which, that's what he's. When you shoot at mid range as well as Kyrie, not a terrible shot. Uh, there's very few guys that shoot that well at mid range in the NBA, um, but it's still not the most efficient shot, and definitely not the most efficient in his repertoire. But fortunately, we're yeah. seeing his his three ball come around. Uh, some of the other things. Yeah, under, yeah. yeah, some of the other things we've seen from this week. Uh, have you seen anything, uh, Corey, defensively that the Cavs, is it just a matter of engagement for them? A uh, matter of engagement, like Shumpert, Shumpert's been like phenomenal. Like the last couple games, just the pounding guys. Uh, there was the, I want to say it was neighbor Bradley Jumper last night. He was all over him. That's where Kyrie got the, the shot, came a little bit short, and uh Shumpert like literally ran a go route like a wide receiver after the missed shot. Kyrie hit him with the touchdown for the dunk. Um, just just more engaged, more you know. It, it's just effort. Like, I mean, I mean, it might not have hurt that Love didn't play two games ago, but like, like yeah. last night, Love looked they, particularly they were, bad last night to me. And there, there were moments where it wasn't even necessarily effort. Like, he bodied up Sellinger or, you know, he, he had tried, and it's just it's not there. Like, maybe maybe if they do start to run him at center, like in a small ball with LeBron, um, Shump, JR, Delhi, or, you know, like Kyrie, however you sprinkle in the guards, like maybe, maybe it would work a little better. Yeah, he's – yeah, he's really – so while the defense has picked up, it, part of it, like you said, has been some of his absence. Uh, uh, ben, do you want to talk about this at all? I put it on yeah. so my yeah. kids aren't on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when they go small and you have LeBron at the four and you have Mozzie at the five, you have kind of what the Warriors have with one guy who's a, a legit rim protector and then four guys who can switch on anything. And they have gone exclusively to that when they have a lineup with LeBron at the four. They are, they're just switching every on-ball or off-ball screen, and they still have size defending the paint in, in the form of Mozzie or in Tristan when he comes in. Uh, when Kevin's at the five, he doesn't have that same rim protection. Uh, he can switch probably more than people give him credit for. Uh, but if you have him at the five and LeBron at the four, you might still be able to switch those perimeter uh, positions 
but then you're left with without a real rim protector, and so those switches can sometimes be exploited more than they are against Mazi or, or Tristan. So the more time you see with LeBron at the four with one of the, the real bigs in Tristan or, or Mazi, that defensive scheme is is a little different than what they do with, with Love in there. Uh, as far as Sullinger is concerned, you know, it's kind of funny. You see you see what a diet does to a guy. I, you, you, sometimes you wonder whether if Love were still eating the burgers that Sullinger clearly does, whether he'd be able to bang down low the same way. I mean, weight is weight and mass. You know, you can be in great shape and maybe it'll extend Kevin's love, uh, <laughs> love his uh, career. But he's... Uh, He's definitely not as as, as heavy, and, and he's, he's a movable force down there where maybe he wouldn't have been in the past. I think they're starving him in the Banana Republic. <laughs> I don't, for anybody who didn't catch it this week, uh, Kevin Love is now the new face of Banana Republic, and it he looks like a... Uh, <laughs> what I said is like that, that Hooper's kid done all grown up. He looks like just a bigger version of the kid from the Hoopers. So, like, that skinny. So, Wow, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I agree with you. I've said for a while Kevin Love needs to get more upper body strength again. Um, and, and he's really – I mean, he had a bad – sorry. He had a bad week. Uh, we, we talked about he went uh, – in his last five games, he's shooting 30% and 21% from three. Uh, it, it's been pretty rough, and they're not getting him the ball on the block anymore. Uh, after, yeah, especially the last three games where he won, uh, the indie game he actually played, despite not scoring a lot, played really well. Uh, 13 points and eight rebounds, but his, his passing, his six assists that game were, were stellar. And yeah. he, he played decent defense. He really facilitated the offense. And then, but uh, against Boston, he, he seen, I don't know if he was banged up or what was going on. Uh, part of it is like, I don't quite understand why Lou plays in 40 minutes against Indiana. And we all kind of remarked that he looked exhausted at the end of the game because I don't think he came out in the second half till like the last two, three minutes. And, he just doesn't seem to be that kind of shape anymore. Like, it seems like you really do have to watch his minutes. Like, I don't ever, I don't feel like Kevin Love should ever be playing over 34 minutes in a game. With especially, I don't think any of these guys should be, you know, in the regular season. No, and especially with the depth. Well, and the Pacers game, you kind of got the feeling that the Cavs really feel like they needed to right the ship after, after the two losses to Toronto and Washington. Um, yeah. But, I, I agree with you. I the the minutes being jerked around and everything is, I think, part of the reason guys kind of get in a bad rhythm. But I do think uh, the big minutes increase for Shump in the last two games has been definitely up, helped him. He seems like a guy that just can't get in a rhythm if he's only playing ten twelve minutes. He seems like he needs at least twenty minutes a night at a bare minimum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He just he's not a knockdown shooter. He's more of a rhythm shooter uh, and just defensive engagement like you talked about. Um, Tristan Thompson also kind of played better in the last three games. He was really he not played very well. Yeah. And after a terrible uh, last weekend against um, the Wizards, he was just 
he disappeared last weekend. So I gotta say that that Wizards game, I think that was number, it might have been number five in the last two three seasons that I've missed. I think the last three seasons this is the fifth game I missed. And I I caught all of the the game the gameplay that we had at the blog going, and I was just like, I'm not gonna do it. LeBron's not playing. We got hammered. I'm just not gonna subject myself. <laughs> yeah, to it. it it was it was pretty brutal. Um, yeah. but it's so funny because that Wizards game, they, and yeah, I mean, maybe it's all LeBron because they, the, they really kind of hammered him on last Sunday and then the Cavs just destroyed them in that game. I mean, the, the 25 point victory did not even indicate how much of a slaughter it was. And the Wizards, like when you play them smart, well, the other thing was Otto Porter kind of played out of his mind. Uh, in the in the Sunday game, of course he was going against Kevin Love instead of LeBron, and getting wide open three point shots. So, Morris, I mean LeBron was guiding Morris more than he was Porter, wasn't he? Or was am I wrong in that? I'm trying to remember. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, no, Morris came off the bench. Uh, I'm not sure. But in the first it, game it or just, the second second game, we started. Yeah, second game he started. It just seemed like uh, Otto Porter didn't have nearly as much daylight as he did uh, in in the first Washington game. So, um, any takeaways from the Celtics game, uh, the one twenty one oh three victory uh, there, Corey? Uh, yeah, like I mean, they they played uh, like very lethargic in the first quarter. Um, just it was like the bad Jr. You know, you know, came about where you know, ideally with Jr. You kind of just you want to ride the hot hand when he's there, and then just get him off the court. Um, he got a yeah, I totally disagree with that. <laughs> I thought I thought Jr. was yeah, he was like one for six in the uh, first quarter. Shooters um, got to shoot, baby. They, they got to shoot, but like Evan Turner was abusing him. He, like that was part of the problem was Kyrie was getting like smashed by. By Isaiah Thomas and Evan Turner back down Jr. twice, like that was part of their their big run. Um, Jr. came back, you know, he heated up a little bit later, but uh, I don't know. They, I mean, they had a nice run without LeBron on the floor in the fourth, um, but I don't know. Like there, there's a lot of foul, the fouls that ended up being even. Like uh, Nate, Nate's guy, uh, Bill Simmons, was, was throwing a temper tantrum online. <laughs> Uh, but, but that the fouls, I mean, it was it was real interesting because Kevin Love picked up a charge at almost the exact same spot that uh, was it Avery Bradley tried to or Marcus Smart tried to pick up a charge. Yeah, they were smart. Yeah. And uh, but he was just a couple. He was maybe an inch farther out, and it just looked like Kevin Love was out of the circle. Smart was just barely in the circle, and and that's totally a judgment call, but. It just seemed like Kevin Love was there a split second early. And some of those fouls that, I mean, there's a reason that the Celtics are 29th in the league in opponent fouls. They play uh, aggressive. Terms, well, they play so yeah. aggressive. And when you know they're going to play aggressive coming in, you use that aggressiveness against them. And, you know, you pump fake, you get them in the air, you, uh, you cut and go up through the contact. And the Cavs were really smart about doing that. And... The other thing is, I mean, Austin Carr totally, you know, I feel like I spent this whole podcast talking about Austin Carr, but he's like, 
they are just when you start being physical back at them, they get really, really whiny with the officials. And I was surprised that the officials only called one tech because uh, it felt like a few times they could have called like there was one <laughs> where Isaiah Thomas had gotten had gotten fouled by Delhi with the Delhi belly bump on the, uh, on the drive, uh, the play before. And then the next time he went to the line and he goes, thank you real loud. Like, like really demonstratively <laughs> like, and I was like, Oh, I, I would be very tempted to tee him up if I was the ref, <laughs> but it just seems like they, when you go physical back at them, they don't respond. They respond with more intelligence or more aggression and anger and not, intelligently adjusting their game. They don't seem that mature yet to be able to, you know, back off the contact a little bit, you know? So I don't know. And the other thing is the Celtics, if they had a go-to scorer, they would be really, really dangerous. But when your best, when your go-to scorer is five, nine and you have defenders, that can just take him out of his game. It's really hard. If they have one, if they get one more score, they're going to be a tough team. A score and a rim protector, uh, and that team is going to be really hard to play against. And that they scare me a little bit in that regard. Like I feel like they're the perfect complementary piece for a really good player to come in. Like if you were Kevin Durant uh, and you decided you wanted to leave Oklahoma City and you didn't want to go to Golden State, the Celtics might be like a perfect team for you. Because he would. Right, be, so go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, I mean I, back to the actual basketball thing after a second. But like this, this whole idea that Kevin Grant is going to do anything but resign. No, for no, one no. Year, I, know. I, I was just, purely yeah. hypothetical. Like I was just yeah, yeah. him as an example. Like who? I don't know if there's anybody. I actually think Dwight Howard. Uh, okay, if they did Dwight Howard on a series of one-year contracts, <laughs> would be a really good fit in Boston. Well, how about how about Larry, Hasim Whiteside? Yeah, Whiteside. I mean, nobody, nobody. Yeah, nobody wants Howard. He's he's done and he's washed up basically. I mean, well, the guy's I mean, gonna. He had, he's had a decent season this year, but I don't think anybody's gonna put any stock in him replicating that anytime. Like he might get one good year out of the next three. He's done. He was a steroid guy, and now he's he's run out. But I think Whiteside. We all know they were. The nine, the, they, you know, Hito was on. Lewis got caught, kind of. Anyway. Uh, Rashad um, Lewis was on the juice. Yeah, we know. Yeah, I mean, when you got shoulder pads built into your into your arms and then you go to the Lakers and all of a sudden you look like a little skinny kid, something happened. Um, <laughs> anyway, but if you put if you put Whiteside on that team, on the Celtics, that's terrifying. And I don't think any, I don't think they even need like a real score score. I think they need somebody who, who has that rim protection behind because their offense is still really, really good, um, and they still it, become a heck of a shooter. Yeah, and you know, I even you know, I just they're just so deep. I like how they're good at finding post opportunities uh, from great off ball action. I mean, they just find a lot of those deep catches they're getting were off of just incredibly beautiful on ball on uh, strong side action. And then swinging the ball over and, and getting good pin downs, uh, it's just it's really beautiful basketball. And, and Stevens deserves all the credit he gets. Oh yeah, no, and, I, I think he's he, uh, 
Evil Genius and I were having an argument over email this week. Like, I think Stevens is as good as a coach as there is in the NBA right now in terms of the production he's gotten out of a team with one legitimate all-star and maybe not even a legitimate all-star in Isaiah Thomas. Uh, I mean, they they have a lot of guys with really great defensive instincts and smart Mm -hmm. basketball like you. And, like, you know, they, they play... They play so hard defensively, but intelligently. And, you know, maybe that has a ceiling, and in the playoffs they can't really ratchet it up another level. Right. But, I mean, those guys those guys know what, know what they're doing. And it's it's so it's so nice to watch guys with such a, you know, Marcus Smart, yeah, maybe he was a little bit on the edge in that game yesterday, and he got the tee or whatever. But I, I just love watching that guy because he, he is, his shooting's coming around, and he is just – a destroyer on defense. Oh, I mean, yeah. he's just—it's beautiful. Well, he's a hulking presence at the guy. He's yeah. a guard that's built like a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. I when mean, he chucks, when he chucks a roll, man. I mean, it's it's impressive. Yeah. No, almost. I I would say a strong safety. <laughs> like, cause he's just built like a strong safety, and he just—you just don't want to go over the middle against him. And then you got uh, Avery Bradley, also a very good defender, and so. And then Evan Turner, who's just kind of a utility knife sort of guy, like it, it amazes me that it took Boston to figure out that the best way to play Evan Turner is the same way that Golden State plays Sean Livingston as that post up point guard. Yeah, um, the point guard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or triangle point guard, post up point guard. Yeah. Uh, and like why it. The amount of teams that try and p- fit square pegs into round holes in the NBA is is just kind of mind-boggling at times. And then you see these teams that are just really good at figuring out, okay, this is where this guy's best. I'm not going to try and do anything that he's not great at with him. Uh, you know, they don't put him in these pick and rolls where teams can just go under a lot. Uh, that if if they do initiate the action, it's a little closer to the basket. Um, it, and yeah, that team's really deep. I love Jay Crowder's game. I've liked his game since yeah. he he came out in the combine. Um, or since, since he came since out in the draft. <laughs> yeah, well, I was you know I was disappointed by that, and I thought the Mavs actually really looked dumb for having moved him for next to nothing last off season. Um, they, they, well, that was part of the 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 free free uh, case or whatever for Rondo, right? No, Chandler. Yeah, that was, was part, that was the deal for Rondo, which was just a hor- that's right. It was a horrible trade. That, that yeah. I mean, that guy Oops. uh yeah, he would be perfect on their team right now because he could do a lot of the dirty work. Like he and Chandler Parsons would be a really nice front court. Uh Yeah, and also a nasty nasty wing defense with Wes Matthews there too. Yeah, I mean, he would he would solve a lot of problems for them. So that that trade still still stinging the Mavericks. Um, no, I like Boston a lot, uh, but I still oh, feel like up. the one thing I feel like Boston doesn't get enough of is they don't have easy basket. They don't get easy baskets enough, and they don't seem to be a great possession team, like at the end of the game, where you really need to be able to manufacture a basket. I'm not sure they have anybody that's good enough at getting his own shot to do that. And they draw up really good plays. Brad Stevens draws up fantastic plays. And you look at the play that Avery Bradley got a three-point to beat the Cavs a few weeks ago. You know, a great play. But, 
I just feel like they're one or two players away, and when they get that, one or two players are going to be really scary. Because they, they don't have a, sorry, they don't have a guy that. Well, yeah, they don't have like a guy that like the defense will collapse. Right. On, who's like enough of a threat? So that's you know. Yeah, they have an entire offense that does that, man. Like, I, I don't know. I, it's almost like we're, we're crying for them to have somebody like Rudy Gay. We know what Rudy Gay no, and that kind of player does. I'm not talking about a Rudy Gay. They already had Rudy Gay. His name was Come on, man. I'm doing, I'm doing pundit speak. Like, I'm putting the, the worst example into your situation. Uh, they Come had on, Rudy Gay. His name was Jeff Green. Like, <laughs> oh, God, yeah. What is the win percentage of teams that lose Jeff Green now? I can't remember. It's oh. something beautiful. Look at what Memphis is even doing. Like once they got rid of him. Yeah, I know. And and Memphis a real surprise. Uh, the way they're playing. Uh, actually, it's going to be a really good game tomorrow. Uh, they're really playing well without Gasol. After the Green trade, uh, Zach Randolph is really having himself a nice second half of the season because uh, he's isn't he kind of the focal point of their offense again. Yeah, but I mean, they just they went all in on the grit and grind, and it's they they made that trade with the Hornets, and they got Hairston, who was all you know the guy that everybody picked them to draft, mm-hmm. like the, the the guy that just makes the most sense on that team. Right. A guy like Ben Stevenson totally makes sense on that team as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, it just it's so much fun, and people you know all right, so you know, people like Amina Alhassan will talk about how there's no place in the league for Tony Allen anymore. Uh, I mean, in this little stretch, Allen's, Allen's been out with injury anyway. But the the idea that that there's still not a place in the league for player for teams that play incredible defense with a certain kind of uh, you know collapse big man type stuff is just silly. I mean, last last year in the finals, you had the the Grizzlies up two to two to one before Allen got injured, and we're going to talk about how there's no place in the league for him. I mean, this they play. They play really, really smart defense, and when you take away a guy like Green, that helps the defense. Even if you put Lance Stevenson in there in his, in his stead, I mean, it's just it'll be a tough game because those guys, those guys are really tough. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely grinders. Um, yeah, that that's I I got to look at them more. I haven't watched them a ton. I've just been seeing you know their their box scores flash across the screen and. Also, just the way that, and, and Mike Conley, cri- possibly the most criminally underrated player in the NBA. Um, he's picked up too. He's, he's oh yeah. Better. Well, he had a Chalmers tough first half of the well. season. Oh, and Mario Chalmers, yeah. Like from hooked up to the juvenation machine. Like when I thought he was done. Like because that last year in Miami with uh, LeBron, he he lost that finals for them, I and mean, he was putrid. <laughs> I mean, not that the Spurs, Warriors, but you know, the, not the, that the Spurs didn't play amazingly, but yeah. yeah, he was he was not good. I thought he was all washed up. So, yeah, that's going to be a uh, a good game tomorrow night. Um, one of the other things I wanted to talk about. Uh, uh, so you had an idea, Ben, a uh, little bit of what we're talking about. Uh, you know, Whiteside, what happens with Miami next year? Um, you had a little bit of a theory of uh, what what might happen with Miami next year. All right, so, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, the likelihood of this, but the whole narrative around LeBron going down to Miami is, oh, Cavs fans should be terrified, and you have all these pundits on different, you know, channels and uh, podcasts and just complaining about, or not complaining, but just saying that, you know, 
thousands of souls in Cleveland just died, and and everybody should be so worried if you're a Cleveland fan that LeBron's going to leave again. And, and uh, let me just to interrupt you for a minute to give you some context to our or to give some context to our listeners that this was the very strange week that LeBron went down to Miami, worked out with Wade. We had all the very cryptic tweets throughout the week uh, from LeBron. Uh, so and combine that with having what four or five days off in Cleveland and uh, both the Cleveland Cavs media and a lot of its diehard fans kind of lost their minds a little bit this week. So that just to give you to, to set the stage a little. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so we're supposed to, you know, as Cavs, Cavs fans, Cavs followers, writers, whatever, we're supposed to be terrified that LeBron is, is contemplating a return to go play with his buddy, Wade because they're having dinner and he's in South Beach in the middle of the season and all that kind of stuff. I see it a totally different way. I see LeBron and is definitely friends with Wade. Wade brought LeBron to Miami years ago. And I see it more likely if they're going to ever be teammates again, it's because LeBron will bring Wade to Cleveland this time. Now I'm not advocating it. I'm not saying that it's horribly likely because you have the whole Pat Riley situation, but we all know that Wade is on the last year of his deal. I'm sure he's in no, uh, you know, eager mood to take a huge pay cut. And depending on how things play out this season, there are trade possibilities and salary possibilities that would make it uh, at least feasible that Wade could come to Cleveland and have a, a team up north. Now, Wade has been one of my least favorite players throughout his entire career. So I don't know if I could stomach it, but I think that's more likely than, than LeBron, you know, decision point two. It's just, that's, I just can't see that possibly happening. Well, and, and let's qualify with this, with the fact that Wade is playing really good basketball this year. Yeah, he is. Uh, 20 points again, 19 points a game in 31 minutes, 45% from the field. Uh, four boards. No threes. Yeah. Not taking them ever. That, Smart no, man. Well, no, he's still taking some. He's he's averaging about point six threes a game. So, uh, <laughs> well, no, but I mean that's you know he's taking a three every other game. Uh, so it's not right, he's well, never taken them. Um, yeah, but let's put that in comparison to his career. Or, and or what, in comparison, or, or to LeBron, his, you know, yeah, LeBron who just. <laughs> Stop me before I shoot another three. That's what we need yeah. to register that domain. Like we had Larry Hughes, please stop taking so many jump shots.com. We need somebody stop LeBron before he takes another three.com. Uh, and maybe left wing only because he's, he's okay from that left wing. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it just boggles my mind. And that's the one thing that I saw from the Celtics game. So you could just see when those, LeBron get the ball at the top of the key. He's dancing. He's working. I'm like, ah, he's going to jack up a stupid jump shot. And you can just see it five, ten seconds before it happens. And yeah. every time it's like, this is going to be a brick. You know it's going to be a brick. He did it two times in the end of the first two quarters against uh, the Wizards. And in a way, like the percentages – in a way, LeBron can get away with it like no other other player can because there may come a point in the playoffs where you need LeBron to hit that shot to win a game. So it's like, okay, get, no, <laughs> so it, because we know no one else is taking it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this is practice. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it still drives me nuts. But, yeah, LeBron's three-point shooting has been brutal. So. Hey, hey, we got to give the guy some credit. There was a time yesterday and before LeBron made, an, uh, got, made a bucket, got fouled, and then the, the technical happened or something, whatever, and Delhi stood up to the line, took the foul shot like everybody knows he should, and then LeBron finished the end one. Instead of LeBron being like, no, I got this. I'm going to shoot the technical even though you're a much better foul shooter than I am. Uh, you know, baby, baby steps. Thank you, LeBron. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like stop leaving a point of game off the board. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it it has been better to see. And, and Kyrie kind of gets the benefit of the doubt there when he's in the game uh, to, to be able to shoot that that free that free throw. And oh, let's talk about Kyrie, you... and, and and we talk a little bit like of all the things that. Kyrie Irving, kind of what his deficiencies are. They're, they've been hiding him on spot-up shooters and not pick-and-roll guys. Have you noticed Fine. that, Ben? Good. Yes, and yeah. I'm for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the one thing Kyrie is an absolute closer at the free-throw line at the end of games, yeah. and that is unbelievably invaluable. I mean, I think they – he, I think, has, like, one miss in his entire career in, like, two-point games – in at the end of in the last two minutes, something like that. I yeah, the kid, ridiculous. The kid is clutch. I mean, the yeah. kid is clutch. He likes likes big moments. He likes energy. This is still this is still a guy who beat out Steph Curry for the starting spot on the Team USA not so long ago. I mean, uh, yeah, you could like say Coach K. Yeah, you could say Coach K likes him more because he played like whatever whatever the case may be. You know, he was the tournament MVP of that. You know, yeah, he was <laughs> like he, so. the. the the kick and play is just a question of, you know, you want to, to get them off ball as much as you can. And I, I, it's fine. Cut your losses. Be pragmatic. The second that a team understands that, you put them on a guy who is not going to be a primary, you know, pick and roll handler. Yeah, they um, had him on uh, Garrett Temple a lot the other night. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Keep it up. If that means putting him <laughs> on a power forward at times, somebody like a Brandon Bass or putting it like, that's fine. Like, he's not going to hurt you as much on a big guy as he is in any kind of pick and roll. Um, And then, you know, and also the situation of going small and the same thing that we were talking about before in terms of having a rim protector and, and four switching perimeter players, Uh, you know, the whole put Kyrie and Kevin in the pick and roll and you're going to score points thing. The, the Cavs have just done a better job of not making that even a possibility with their lineup choices. Yeah. And they haven't been, sharing the floor a ton like it seems like they are distributing their minutes so they are on the floor together the least amount of time possible um that and so i kind of interrupted we kind of got on a tangent there but Corey, what do you think of the Dwayne wade to the Cavs theory uh i mean i'm not really sure where he fits and (laughs) like is he just like the sixth man that like runs is he Dallas replacement? Like I'm trying to think of like no, the only way he comes you know. is via trade. This is this is one of those things that the yeah. Cavs Cavs like totally disintegrate in the playoffs or something like that. Everybody wants out Kyrie Love, everybody, and maybe like a sign and trade Wade and Whiteside for Love and Irving, something <laughs> like that. I don't. I, I. I don't think you would ever. I'm not advocating this. I'm not saying that. I'm just no, saying that though, for the for the cap to work and for the salaries, it'll it would have to be a sign and trade with one of the big three of the Cavs or whatever we call them. 
Uh, so <laughs> what you're saying is I should not have asked you for details on your Dwayne Wade idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know how I would handle that. I don't know if I, how it could go from, from training for a team with Anderson Vergeau to a team with Whiteside and Wade. I just I don't know what I'd do. Speaking of Andy, uh, do you guys – so we can all admit that Warriors have kind of become must-watch basketball in the last month or so. Like just kind of what they do on a game-to-game basis is – especially with that uh, Steph Curry shot against the Thunder, it, that which was oh, one of the great regular season game winners I've seen in a while. And everybody uh, – we have a lot of uh, Warriors haters – that listen to this podcast and contribute to this podcast. Uh, right, correct. Right. <laughs> but I have enjoyed seeing Andy on the uh, on the Warriors, even though he is only getting about ten minutes a night. But it's ten minutes more than he was getting in Cleveland. So, and ten minutes more a night than uh, Channing Fry is getting of late. So, oh, Channing Fry, I remember that guy. <laughs> so, uh, Corey, why do you say, "Oh God"? When I when I mentioned Steph Curry's shot against the Thunder, I was I was at the horseshoe um, okay. in Cleveland. I was sitting at a blackjack table, and right before that, we left Greenhouse Tavern. I ate a pig's head, which was delicious. I highly suggest it. Um, and so then I'm at the horseshoe. I grabbed a beer at the bar, and I was like, "Oh, Thunder going to win, sweet." So you know, I'm playing blackjack for I don't know a little bit, and then I hear. Uh, like a, a roar, and it was the Steph Curry shot, and it was just like I can't even enjoy like gambling. <laughs> like this, this guy's going to take that away from me. And it was a good night, but it was just you know it was just I, I I'm not I'm not advocating somebody like Tanya Harding, you know the guy, but oh, man. like if it, if it happens in Cleveland, Sorry. they will have a jury of their peers. <laughs> no. He, no, he can't be stopped. He just not been endorsed by any but, but, members but, but, of the Cavs of It's like he can't be stopped, and it's yeah, like it's, you know, it's, even it's when you think code. it's yeah, there's like oh yeah, you know what the cheat code is? Just that the refs don't call the moving screens. <laughs> the, oh God, what was the one? Uh, the, the cheat code is Byron Scott, the, the coach of the year, who clearly figured uh, out how to may, stop Steph Curry. Maybe because yeah, so, I saw I saw something the other day. It was like if. If Byron Scott coached the Warriors, would they win 50 games? You know, and it was like, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> if, he had, well, I mean, uh, now. if he had Luke Walton as his, as his assistant, who who I think was probably just his offensive coordinator when Luke Walton was in Cleveland. But. That's going to be his replacement. No, I mean, listen, if, if, if it were Byron Scott who took over for Mark Jackson, that team would, would, you know, they would still be great, but they wouldn't be anywhere near what they're doing now. Not yeah. even close and and let's – I think Kerr's fantastic, but one of the things uh, Kerr has done is surround himself with fantastic assistants. Uh, yeah. Ron Adams, criminally underrated, probably the most underrated assistant coach in it, maybe in NBA history. If you look at the benches that he's been on, have all been fantastic. Yeah. He's coached under Tibbs. He's coached under Brad Stevens last year. Uh Coach, or not last year, two years ago, uh, coaching for uh, coaching under Kerr the last two years. Ron Adams is a guy that, I mean, I think he's almost seventy now, but just a phenomenal assistant coach. Uh, success everywhere he goes, and then you 
you've got uh, Walton, who's probably who not probably will be the hottest coaching commodity of the off season. He's going to have his pick of any job he wants. Uh, do you think that's untrue, Ben? That any uh, open job will be. I don't know if any open job. I think I think a, a team that is desperate for defensive grit and in combination with maybe another kind of uh, assistant coach who understands minutes will go after Tibbs hard. No, no, no. I, if, I meant Luke Walton. Luke Walton will be the hottest. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, oh, okay. I would if I'm if I have a certain kind of roster and oh, okay. I, I'm lacking a certain kind of okay. uh, defensive intensity, I would rather have Tibbs with an assistant who is going to look at minutes over Walton. Not because I don't think Walton's going to be a great coach, but just because I know what Tibbs is going to give me defensively. But here's the um, thing, Ben. Yeah. You're a lot smarter than when it comes to basketball than most NBA owners. And <laughs> I mean, I think most NBA owners would take Walton over Thibodeau in a heartbeat. Just it's the yeah. sex it's the sexier pick. And also, I mean, you know, Walton has it, been in so many more ways than Yeah. I don't know. Tibbs got that voice, man. But actually Walton's got a pretty nice voice too. Uh, anyway, Walton I mean he's been in the league his whole life, obviously, he with his dad. He knows all sorts of different, you know, I mean what if if your father played for the eighty six Celtics you probably know a little bit about ball movement. If you then, you know, won championships with Phil Jackson, you know about stars, you know. I mean, the guy's been around, you know, the, one of the greatest centers of all time and his own father. And then strategically, Andrew very... Andrew O'Neill. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Sha- Shaq is definitely one of the greatest centers of all time, isn't he? Uh, yeah, sure. And it's certainly <laughs> just getting to know what how to be around a guy like Shaq. Yeah. I mean, Shaq at most dominant was as dominant as anybody ever. I mean, those, right. those lakes of the first, uh, you know, few years of the 21st century, as I say. Um, but I, I think Walton, I mean, is absolutely going to be a great head coach. I think that it's a little bit silly to judge his head coaching skill, like from the Warriors success. Um, but See, I don't I, think I that totally he's going to judge it on the Herculoids. Because from everything, yeah, I, I would judge on that. Yeah, I, I, everything I read at the time said most of that offense came from Luke Walton and Sean Livingston, uh, and they basically <laughs> ran the triangle when they were in. Yeah. Um, you know, and you had uh, you had Walton or Livingston, you know, running, passing the ball out of the post, um, and, and like, it, it's so it's so funny that. Uh, Phil Jackson kind of gets ripped for trying to force the triangle on the Knicks when the Warriors, the best team in the league, are are playing with a bunch of triangle concepts. Now, I think they've taken great elements of the triangle, especially when their bench units come in, and then are they can play 15 different ways, too, is the other thing that helps them. But, I mean, when you have two, two greatest shooters in the league, it helps. Um but it just cracks me up that everybody rips the triangle so much, and yet the Warriors are just destroying people with parts of it. So it, yeah, it, uh, it just goes to show you it's the players and not the system. Well, it's the system. The biggest, the biggest disparity of you know the from the one to one triangle, old school versus new school triangle, is just that instead of you're a power forward chilling on the baseline for a 15 foot baseline jumper like Horace Grant made his whole career. Right. Uh, you're moving them back out to the three-point line. 
right. that's just going and slacking the one guy over a little bit further toward the center of the court on the weak side. Uh, that's why the difference. that works and, with Harrison Barnes uh, yeah. so well. You know. Yeah, but and you know, and just understanding if someone's going to play you over the screen to back cut him. This is not like a very difficult concept, and yet somehow it's it's been phased out of a lot of offenses because people just don't understand how to back cut. And so explain that a little bit. So if you're going, a lot of times when people are, you know, whether it's the old school Rip Hamilton, Flip Saunders type offense, or whatever it is, like if you're if you're running around a screen to get the ball at the and top, and you're talking about an off ball screen. Yes. So so say so say we're on ball, like we're running a pick and roll. Uh, with with LeBron and Delhi on the left side, and a lot of times, you know, Jr. will start at the uh, on the same side. The same thing happened yesterday, actually. I mean, multiple times. Whatever happens every game, uh, you'll have a guy starting in the in the left corner with on the strong side. He'll peel along the baseline, maybe catch a screen at the baseline from one of your bigs, and then catch another screen around the elbow on the opposite side of the pick and roll to come free for a, a right wing three. Right. Now, if they overplay for that three ball, because to try to prevent uh, a nice catch and shoot shot for a guy like for like Jr. with that kind of shooting ability, if they really go hard on that overplay, then while your the defender is on the the high side of the of the screen, you backdoor him, just go toward the hoop, so you just don't finish your cut. Right. And whether at that point, usually you're either you know. If somebody's on the strong side and that pick and roll should have developed enough that that there's maybe action directly for a layup or if nothing else, it's it's, it's still a continuing action. So maybe the back uh, cut gets the pass and then it requires one more pass, probably to the filled left corner three from the initial strong side. Regardless, or, this basic idea. Yeah. All sorts of orcs, just like yeah. Or if, the if guy everybody playing, goes with the shooters, Andrew Bogut rolls to the rim and gets a wide open layup. You know? Yeah. So I mean, like the whole like the the idea of the screener is often the guy who's left open. Right. Um, this this is not difficult, and one of the things that that makes uh, the Warriors so good is that they understand that everybody is forced to play really high on screens because if right. you don't, they're going to shoot your lights out. And that's what opens up all those layups because you know they have to they have to go hard on on the closeout and to get in front of that screen and the back door is just open all the time and Bogut and now Andy are both great at giving back uh, back cut passes on wings. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and yeah, they're they're going to be a really tough team in the playoff. But the Lakers did <laughs> figure out the formula for beating them today, and that's make the Warriors miss wide open jump shots. So if you can make the Warriors miss wide open jump shots, you have a chance. Yeah. Don't, don't guard the screen. Don't rotate. Just kind of stand there looking generally confused, and then the Warriors won't know what to do. Right. So we talked a little bit about this uh, pre-podcast, and and I compared it to uh, poker players, really good poker players, hate playing really bad poker players because – they don't know what they're supposed to do and they stay in and hands they shouldn't stay in and you get bad beat or like you can't bluff them sometimes <laughs> or uh, like they just stay in on hands they shouldn't and fold on hands they should and all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's, it's really can be flummoxing for a good poker player and you just don't even want to play like guy like that, especially if they're on a hot run or whatever. 
in in a tournament setting, it's it's brutal because for a few years in the World Series of Poker, it was just like really good poker players would just get losing in the third and fourth rounds because guys were just staying in on twenty percent draws, and when you have you know every tenth guy is staying, you know eventually you're going to lose that draw in an all-in situation and somebody's going to beat you if you do it five times. So that yeah. that's it's a similar situation with the Lakers today. Like you were talking about the Warriors just didn't know what to do with how bad they were at defense. Like they were used to having defenders in certain spots near them and they just weren't used to that. I mean, there were so many open shots. It was hilarious. But to to the Lakers credit or you know they they had some really great performances. Clarkson played out of his mind. The kid just couldn't miss. Uh, Russell started really strongly, and he has such nice pace to his game. I think that kid's going to be fantastic. Oh, uh, too. Yeah, Randall really just thought, okay, I'm going to be Draymond Green today. I'm going to play that hard. I'm going to be that crazy. I have the same size. Like, screw it. I'm going in. And, you know, it was kind of a disaster at times. And he just didn't really know what to do with himself, and he turned the ball over occasionally. But he played with such force that you know it really helped. I think it, he got a lot of rebounds. I think his his energy against Draymond at least occupied Draymond's uh, you know defensive attention. Um, and Huertas was just really fun Ooh. to watch. That kid, Huertas. Am I saying that correctly? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's Spanish guy. Huertas. I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure his name was not Juan. But it is meant to be Hertas. Uh, anyway, I, I, you're, you're as fun as Alex Trebek on the Latin name of Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, he's he played such a fun game. I mean, he had some incredible dimes, and he had one finish that looked like he was about to hit the ground, and he barely jumped, and then all of a sudden he had this weird little scoop. It was a it was a fun it was a fun game to speed watch. After Corey asked me whether I'd watched it or not. Yeah, no, and I actually. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, 23 points, four assist, five, almost five assists, three re- rebounds on uh, really on 44% three-point shooting and 45% from the field uh, in the last five games and and beyond. Uh, looks yeah. really, I think he's going to be a real good player. Uh, the Lakers, that Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell backcourt. Actually, the, the Lakers have a, not a, a lot of nice young pieces. Uh, yeah. between them and uh, you've got yes. uh, Larry Nance Jr., you've got uh, a Randall, uh, a really nice cap situation. In a lot of ways, the Kobe retirement tour might be the best thing to happen to him <laughs> if they can keep yeah, that I mean, top three pick. That, uh, that'll be interesting. They're, they're trying their best. I guess beating the Warriors probably yeah. didn't help them. So. Yeah, and they beat Brooklyn the other night too. So, you know, they've won two of the last four, so they better get some D league call-ups here uh, to, to, to try and douse the flame a little bit. Um, I mean, has Byron Scott been on vacation or something? Uh, well, Kobe's been hurt, so he hasn't been playing as much. So uh, I, I think we've kind of talked about a lot of the things that we wanted to talk about this week. And so we have a game that we're going to play. And I'm, I'm going to try and get it set up here real quick. Uh, and it's going to call be called uh, LeBron or Fortune Cookie. And we'll <laughs> give you a tweet or a uh, say a phrase. And you have to tell me whether it was a LeBron tweet or a Fortune Cookie. 
because we've had a lot of strange, cryptic uh, LeBron tweets this week that I call Cohen's. You know, if a tree falls in the woods does, and no one hears it, does it make a sound? You know, that kind of well, thing uh, all week. Uh, so uh, before uh, before I do that, as I do a little setup here, um, I want you and Corey. Corey, give me your ideal first-round play-up matchup playoff matchup for the Cavs and and then Ben you give me the same not Detroit <laughs> you want to give me a little more there? just, just, just uh, not Detroit just not Detroit like they kind of scare me like if uh Coldwell Pope and uh you know Stanley Johnson can start hitting a three getting on HGH whatever um not Detroit um I, I'd be fine with Chicago. They don't worry me at all. Um, and that's the thing is like the East is like such, it's like mucked. Like, so it's kind of hard to anticipate who it is going to be. I just, I don't want to try it. Okay. Ben. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I actively want Chicago because I just, the last three, four years, every single time they've talked about, and before the season, everyone always is, is babbling about how the Chicago Bulls have the talent to win the East and just, it's just so nonsensical. And I kind of want the Cavs to put this itineration of the, the Bulls to rest. Like, just break them up after they get absolutely hammered 4-0 in, in a first-round playoff series. Um you know, yes, Jimmy Butler could make anything a little bit more interesting than it needs to be, but I think it would just be fun. And the rest of the, I mean, I don't think they're as good as, as the other teams. I don't want to play the Pacers in the first round if I'm the Cavs because that with Paul George legitimately being the second best guy on the floor, it's that's a little bit worrisome in a different way than it is with Butler. Um. I think you know every every day that passes, Miles Turner is getting better. That kid is so talented, uh, and they have a pretty a pretty scary starting lineup. Um, Detroit doesn't worry me quite as much as worries Corey. I guess I, I don't want to see them necessarily either. I think their shooting is still lacking enough that it's not the most. They, I mean, they they made a good deal I think long term for their uh, Tobias Harris getting rid of Ilyasova and Jennings, but I think. Uh, you know, Ilya Sova is a better shooter than Harris is right now, and he was doing pretty good things with with Drummond. Um, but yeah, just not not the Pacers, but bring on the Bulls. Yeah, I gotta say my uh, my yeah, I would agree with you. The Pacers are the team that kind of scares me more than anybody, um, just because the Cavs all, have traditionally not played well uh, in Indianapolis, and Paul George is one of those guys that you can get hot and change a series. Uh, so yeah, that one, that one's definitely, there's no one that really terrifies me. And then going into the second round, uh, you know, it, it'll probably be either the heat or the Celtics or, you know, an outside ch- shot at the Hawks. Uh, the heat scare me a little bit, but I just don't feel like they have the shooting that they need. Although Joe Johnson has, really helped them and really, you know, kind of playing that stretch three, four a lot. And that 
Johnson, Luol Dang is a little bit had a resurgence of late. Yeah, they're putting they put they put Dang at the four since Bosch has been gone, and it's been great. I mean, putting putting Dang at the four and Whiteside has enough size. Uh, you know, I know that Whiteside hasn't been starting all the time and somehow gotten away with starting Stoudemire, but you know that that matchup and then having enough athleticism on the wing with Winslow. Uh, it's it's a pretty scary team actually, and it's if they could get Whiteside some, is no joke. Whiteside's no joke. Goran Dragic is a good pick and roll point guard when he's on, but he seems like he has like two good games out of every three. Uh, he just seems to throw in a stinker every now and again. Um, but the one thing they don't have a lot of is real good shooting. But Joe Johnson, with the way he's been shooting, could really help that team. Which you know yeah. I I didn't think I'd ever say again in my life, but um, <laughs> yeah, no. So that the heat in the second round scare me more than anyone. And then the Raptors, I, I think is the, I, I want to say, I think it's the final Eastern conference finals matchup, but the Celtics actually match up pretty well with the Raptors. I could see the Celtics beating the Raptors in a playoff uh, series. I, I don't see that. Don't you don't see, see it. No, I think I think Lowry takes the launch money. Okay. No. I mean, I think Lowry's, you know, a, Lowry's a tough matchup for uh, Isaiah Thomas too. Yeah. So you you can you can hide Isaiah defensively a little bit on whoever the guy whoever's playing the three for for Toronto at that point, whether it's James Johnson or whether even if Demari Carroll back at that point, um, you can get away with hiding him a little bit off ball on on defense, but. They're not going to be able to get the same kind of offensive looks against the Toronto uh, backcourt that they do against a lot of people. Because, I mean, DeRozan's an underrated defender. He's not fantastic, but he's underrated. And Lowry is just a total animal, especially, you know, I remember that those playoffs a couple years ago. I mean, the guy, when he's totally locked in defensively, is, is a terror. Uh, Corey Joseph is also a great defensive player. And... You know, you can put that that back where they've seen a lot of more minutes uh, together this uh, last couple months with Je- uh, Joseph and, and Lowry back, and then actually sliding uh, DeRozan to the three, and uh, that's been a really nice look for them. And, yeah, I actually yeah. really like Corey Joseph. Uh, I, I yeah. felt like he doesn't get enough playing time, uh, at least yeah, early he's, in the season, and as their fortunes have improved, his playing time has gone up. I yeah, actually, his, that was his a guy with, really, really, really wanted the Cavs to sign in the offseason, and it didn't happen. Yeah, I remember pushing that. Yeah, um, and then also, you know, we have to, we can't let a podcast talk about the Raptors go without, you know, Nate and I. We have to talk about Bismack Biombo. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, how much and we love when he that. plays over Valanciunas. Like, I feel like for them to be a really good team, they have to figure out a way to trade Valanciunas. Yeah. Um, but I don't – I think they're too committed to him uh, in the same way kind of that the Cavs are stuck with Tristan because they drafted him. <laughs> so anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, so here is our game. Uh, <laughs> our game is LeBron or Fortune Cookie. So here is uh, – here it is. Um Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start here. Uh, people learn little from success, but much from failure. Corey, 
LeBron or fortune cookie? I eat a lot of Chinese food. <laughs> I can use chopsticks with either hand. That's impressive. All right. I kind of want to say LeBron. I'm sorry, it's fortune cookie. <laughs> oh! Seriously, though, it sounds like something he put. That was, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, here we go. Here's another one. Uh, this one This one will be for Ben. <laughs> be not afraid of growing slowly. Only be afraid of standing still. Hashtag CDC. <laughs> Well, you can't put a hash. There's no hashtags on fortune cookies. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> hashtags. I don't, I don't, yeah. uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with with LeBron just because for a fortune cookie, it sounds kind of dirty. Uh, no, that is a fortune cookie. What? I cheated. I added the hashtag. Okay. Because I was going to say, I thought every fortune cookie was made in like 1978, <laughs> and it's been sitting in a warehouse in Yonkers or something. Okay. And, uh, and they taste so, what, okay, what, read that one again. What about growing? That's just really, okay, what? Be not, don't be afraid of growing slowly. Only be afraid <laughs> of standing still. That's so, um, well, I don't know what Chinese restaurants. It sounds like a Cialis commercial. Like. <laughs> okay. Um, o for two. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay so Corey, uh, LeBron okay. or Fortune Cookie? It's amazing how much good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Well, that's a fortune cookie. Ah, you got no, that, it. no, that's LeBron. <laughs> no, you got it. That was a fortune I got cookie. it. These are all fortune cookies. This is a good like, test of psychology of like, you know that at some point you're going to have to do one of LeBron's quotes, but <laughs> then you didn't want to make it the third because that would be too obvious. Because right. so. well, he's not that articulate. Like. <laughs> Okay, uh, Ben, LeBron or Fortune Cookie? LeBron. <laughs> that might be the way to do it. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to... Uh... <laughs> 42. The answer is 42. <laughs> they, they, answer, they answer to life, the universe, and everything. Come on. <laughs> Okay, of all human resources, the most precious is the desire to improve. Oh, my God. I literally have no idea. Uh, LeBron? Fortune cookie. That's such a fortune cookie. <laughs> okay. See, I was trying to smoke it. I thought maybe Nate was smoking us. Like. Please say these no, are all no. just sitting in like uh, in your house. Like, these are actual no, fortune no. cookies. <laughs> No, he's, he's in his wallet. One of them's from his like first date when he was. I don't know how. Or, or you have like a generator, a fortune cookie generator. You're just like clicking and like bringing them up. Okay, it's okay to know you've made a mistake. Just be ready to live with whatever comes with uh, oh, it. That's LeBron. Okay, that's, that's LeBron. LeBron. Okay, that was the other day because he's plugging Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> And that's the thing. It's like, are we reading too much in all, everything he says to where it's like he might not be even kind of talking about the Cavs. He might not even control his own Twitter or whatever. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no! 
it's probably one of his lackey friends from St. V, you know, one of his like buddies from St. V right. who's like the eighth guy. Right. Exactly. I mean, they all know that the more they talk about this stuff, the more his brand is, is worth and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. <sighs> so, Ben. Um, Popovich. It's Pop. <laughs> you can't accomplish the dream if everyone isn't dreaming the same thing. Nightmares follow. Wait, time on. Nightmares follow is actually part of this? Yes. Oh, it's got to be LeBron. Dang it. If I hadn't have put the last part on. <laughs> <laughs> if I hadn't have put the last part on, you would have had a hard time. It would have been rough. But that, that very not eloquent part at the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, Corey. Here we go. So, um, give give me a second. I got to I got to find one. If you want the fruit, you must climb the tree. LeBron or fortune cookie? Fortune cookie. Ah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> well, I actually now that I'm starting to think about it, it's just like the way they are right. cuz fortune cookies are always two sentences, you put a comma and then yes. You know, like that's it. <laughs> okay. Um, so Ben, do not take greatness or anyone for granted. Well, that, that is enough of a non sequitur that (laughs) that's it. Yeah, you got it. Don't, don't eat chicken on a Tuesday and also your mom's cool. (laughs) (laughs) What? Okay. Okay, well, that was that has been LeBron or Fortune Cookie brought to you by Cavs the Blog. Um, we should have started with that. We really need some. Sorry. <laughs> what'd you What'd you say, Ben? No, I just said we need some sponsors. Every time you say something like that, I feel like there's about to be a commercial afterwards. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, we do. So, um, kind of kind of going away. Did either of you guys get to watch the? Uh, uh, Miracle Richfield uh, halftime celebration at uh, the queue from the game the other night. Yes. Uh, really, the I will say one thing for the Cavs organization. They really, uh, for as kind of meager at times as their history is as an organization, they really do a great job of, of celebrating the high moments of, of the Cavs, uh, you know, uh, last 40 years, and, and I thought that was they did a really nice job. Everybody got these phenomenal jackets, uh, and cool. they they flew everybody in, and all the interviews and the the halftime, or and everybody sitting in uh, on the broadcast. Uh, Campy Russell and uh, Austin Carr and those guys really do a, a do do a do 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 a fantastic job of you know preserving the Cavs history. So. It, it was a really cool kind of thing. Uh, do you have any uh, kind of takeaway thoughts from that, Corey? Uh, yeah, it's just like, you know, Gilbert really, um, for all of his sins, you know, and being irrational sometimes, um, he's willing to, like, just shed some coin. Like, those 3D graphics are incredibly expensive. Um, and the jackets obviously have to cost a pretty penny. Um, yeah. Like it's just it's it's nice that it's it seems like they're trying to create a culture while their their history realistically is pretty insignificant in the grand scheme of the NBA story, you know between what they did for Z 
and this, you know, maybe to create a culture of we take care of our own, you know, grand, they trade, just traded Andy. But like at some point, even if his jersey's not retired, they'll do something and they'll go all out when they do it. I, I, I hope that they do. Um, ben? I think they'll do something. Yeah. Ben? Uh, I didn't. I didn't really watch it in real time. I guess I skipped. I actually watched the games either very late in the yeah. night or in the morning, and I'm watching yeah. fast. Uh, I so, saw the cool Jets. So, buddy. Oh, okay. So, kind of my takeaway. I had a really cool experience today. I ran into uh, Dick Snyder, uh, who hit the the miracle shot uh, that that put him ahead at uh, Sam's Club today, and so I I, I introduced myself and and shook his hand and just, you know, told him uh, what a big fan I was and what a cool night it was the other night. So uh, that, that was the highlight of my day. And uh, my wife, you know, needled me into going and saying, saying hi. And, uh, and I have to report that that jacket is even swankier up close than it is. Like that thing was beautiful. That, that had to be a $600 jacket. So he was rocking. He was rocking this jacket in Sam's Club. He was rocking. Oh, he looked proud as a peacock. And it's the like funny thing was, sorry, go ahead. It's like being a college student wearing your like high school Letterman jacket. Oh, absolutely. Like, you're just gonna it. wear it around town. You like, do What's it for up, a couple days. Come on. <laughs> so so like the it. funny thing was, is everybody around because he was eating. And this is this is my favorite thing about old NBA players is they didn't make a buttload of money, so they're eating lunch at Sam's Club. <laughs> you know, like when is the last time Magic Johnson ate lunch at Sam's Club? <laughs> or you know, uh, LeBron would never eat lunch at Sam's yeah. Club. <laughs> but uh, and then everybody around me was like, "Oh, I didn't even realize who he was." So and and I'll be honest, I probably would not have realized who he was if I had not seen him on the broadcast uh, the other night. But it was just a cool moment. So a nice moment in Cavs history. And uh, Ben, any? Uh, any parting stories or shots? Anything you want to plug? Uh, you want to plug Tannhauser? <laughs> Tannhauser. Uh, Todd Hoiser, yeah. Uh, I guess, sure, I don't know. It's not really. <laughs> <I'm gonna be laughs> next if, you, if anybody who's listening to this blog happens to be near uh, Cologne or Aachen, Germany, then uh, come see Tannhauser or the last couple of West Side Story production uh, performances. <laughs> But uh, as as the reader sh- or listenership is <laughs> probably me, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, uh, Corey. Anything you want to plug? Any stories? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I always have stories. They're probably just not fit. Um, uh, can I can I plug another podcast? Or is Absolutely. That, uh, cool. You plug anything you want. Okay. Well, you it's might you next. might tick off our sponsor. <laughs> So. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I don't think we will. <laughs> but I might, yeah, take off the uh, ESPN and the True Hoop Network. Um, uh, there's a podcast, it's called You Must Remember This. It's about the um, first hundred years of Hollywood. Tells really okay. interesting stories about, like, Louis B. Mayer. I rapped with DG the one night about it. Um, really good, just a really well-produced podcast uh, produced by Katrina Longs, uh, Longworth and uh, like they have a 12 episode arc on Charles Manson's Hollywood like really good stuff I highly okay. recommend it that sounds really cool you ever listen to hardcore history yeah yeah yeah, yeah. kind of in that I, I don't listen vein. to radio all I listen to is podcasts okay so kind of in that same vein but just more Hollywood yeah similar similar vein it's like you know like golden age of Hollywood like uh, there's a book called Hollywood 
Babylon, um, which I always thought would be Have a great series, and not yet. And I've I, been I really like, because I want, I want, I want to see the theater. Yeah, and I work like sixty hours a week and take care of my mom on my days off. So it's like there's just times I just don't have like I, like I. Yeah. You should come down to Stark County. It's at the dollar fifty. So I'm trying to I'm trying to like I live in Youngstown, so I'm trying to I'm trying to like formulate. I mean, every, you everything should be done. Land yet? I thought you were moving to the land. Uh yeah. I'm just uh you know You're we'll see. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I don't live in Cleveland. I wish I lived in Cleveland. Like, no, Youngstown is the worst place on the planet. Well, um, oh, wow. no, no, but you can see it from there. That's I mean, our, our water might be clearer than Flint, but it's not a better town. <laughs> like, uh, so, yeah, like, I'd love to live in Cleveland. When I was living in L.A., people would see me wearing, like, a cash shirt. They'd be like, oh, you're from Cleveland. And, I, yeah, I'd reply, I, oh, my God, I wish I was from Cleveland. <laughs> I'm from Youngstown. Because, like, you know, they, they, someone would see that. They'd be like, oh, they, they'd know what Youngstown is. And they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, so that's that. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, well. <laughs> so I, I don't, yeah, so I have my, my Dick Snyder story. So we're going to end with uh, one last round of lebron or fortune cookie and uh, i'm gonna have a heart okay so here it is and i'll let you guys both guess at once a person who don't read has no advantage over a person who can't read Corey. lebron no <laughs> lebron <laughs> okay i may have i may have said it wrong it's a person who won't read has no advantage over a person who can't read uh, ben, that's fortune buggy. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> this is this is turning on very thin ice now, Nate. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I'm sorry. I I mispronounced it. So actually, you're both wrong. It's a quote from Samuel Clemens. So that's, that's like what? <laughs> what just happened? A person who won't read has no advantage over a person who can't read. Uh. I don't know. Do we agree with that sentiment? Is that philosophically logical? What do you think the the people in the Republican uh, debate would say? Uh, we're, we're not we're not allowed to talk about it, but I'd love edit, to edit, edit, guys. Oh, edit. we can talk about it. Just Tom Pestak may quit. <laughs> Tom, don't listen to the last five minutes of this podcast. And as Please always, the warning in the comments. As always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs Podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.